going to jump to Acts, and maybe you will too if you have your Bibles. Acts chapter 4, verses 23 through 31. Before we read that, it's just interesting to, to note that the New Testament church foundation was built upon prayer. Jesus is about to leave them, and he says, no, wait, tarry here until you're endued with power from on high. And they didn't know what's going to happen, but they kept meeting and they kept praying. It's like they gathered together in unity, and their spiritual life revolved around prayer. And as they did this, they connected with God in prayer. Something happened that changed their lives and changed the world. The kingdom of God is ushered in. They were endued with power from on high. Jesus' words manifested into their experiential reality, and they experienced a power in prayer that they had never experienced before. And we see in Acts 4:23 through 31, it says, on their release, so some of the disciples were persecuted because they were preaching the name of Jesus Christ, putting their lives on the line. But they didn't stop doing it. But they needed help from God because it is hard to be persecuted and rejected and beaten. Um, you're not going to be able to really deal with that apart from some supernatural help. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So they responded in suffering and injustice by going to Father God. It's a big, big thing to to focus on here. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They are quoting a psalm from the Old Testament in their prayer. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So that was their prayer. It's called the prayer of boldness. They're asking specific things. They're using scripture from the Old Testament. They're declaring who God is. And God's on his throne in heaven. And he cares and he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and here he responds. They get an immediate response to their prayer. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Okay, so there's literally a, a miracle that happens. There's a sign, an earthquake. God creates an earthquake. The Holy Spirit comes upon them in power. Well, it already happened before, but it happens again. They're filled. They receive the boldness. They're empowered to do the works of the kingdom, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I were to ask you 
what is the purpose of prayer? The Bible is very specific, and I, I think, is to the main answer. There, there are good answers, but there's one sort of all-encompassing answer. So I'm going to ask you guys, what is the, the main purpose of prayer? Relationship? Any other thoughts? Yep, yep, yep. Any other thoughts? Those are all good answers because there's 100% truth to them. Any of the great theologians in the house? <laughs> Any TBI graduates want to take a stab at that? Okay, I, I think, oh, wait, Steve, yes. He doesn't need information, no. God doesn't do everything on his own. He honors us. He honors humanity who's created in his image. He's given us authority over the earth. When the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray, he responded. Don't go on babbling as the, the Gentiles do. Our Father who art in heaven. So we have the relationship aspect. God wants to relate to his people as Father. Hallowed be thy name. That we honor him. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think that is the main thrust here. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, it may be challenging, uh, some people's theology when I say this, but if you study in scripture, I think you'd come to this conclusion. God's will will not come to pass apart from his people's cooperation with him. Had the Apostle Paul not given his life over to Jesus? Had he not preached the gospel? Had he not chose to lay down his life? Or look at Peter, or look at um, John Wesley, George Whitfield, John Piper, uh, people who have chosen to be vessels of God to release the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven will not be released apart from the people of God. And that is why God has empowered his people with the Holy Spirit so that we can partner with God as ambassadors of Jesus Christ to release the kingdom. And so much of that happens through prayer. Thy will be done. Thy kingdom come. There's always so much more of God's kingdom to be released into this world. Out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. You go back in the Old Testament and there's this beautiful picture of this grand temple in Ezekiel. And the river flows from this temple and it brings life and healing to the nations. Some people see that as a literal thing. Well, 
maybe it isn't a literal thing. You know, in the New Testament, you, we got two temples. Jesus refers to his body as a temple. And now that we're in Easter season, it's going to think about that. Destroy this temple and in three days, I'll raise it back up. Jesus' body is a temple. But so is the body of Christ. A temple built together living stones. What if that is re actually referring to the people of God and the Holy Spirit being released through the people of God? And as we proclaim the word, as we love people, as people taste of the Holy Spirit's fruit in us, as we lay hands on the sick and they recover, the kingdom of God advances. We partner with God. We're led by the Holy Spirit. So our prayers have eternal consequences. At least they can. Unless we pray for a bigger house and a better car. And again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to poo-poo. Um, if it's in your heart to be a prosperity preacher or to live a lavish lifestyle, maybe God's called you to that. And I'm kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek. But... Um, <laughs> God cares about our needs, and he even cares about our wants, but he cares a lot more about people's eternal souls than material stuff that's going to pass away. And in fact, the Apostle Paul basically says, you know, if, if for this world alone we hope we are to be more pitied than all people, because the Christian life isn't meant to be this glitz and glamour. It, it's meant to be one where we lay down a lot of what we could have to give us temporal pleasure to seek after eternal pleasure, to build up the kingdom. And there's a joy. There's a joy. I mean, doesn't the Bible say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added? If I make God's happiness my priority, I think he's going to make my happiness his priority. So I can be free from selfishness. So effective prayers i want i want my prayers to be effective i want to see god move mightily when i get on my knees or i'm in my car or i'm at work and i might say a silent prayer or i might gather together with some other saints who love god pray for each other pray for his release listen to the holy spirit and see his kingdom come how can my prayers be more effective we get a, a key in the, the prayer for boldness. I think it might be Psalm 2 that's actually quoted there. Um, there are some Christians that think the Old Testament's irrelevant because we're in the New Testament. I want to say there's a lot more similarity between the Old Covenant and New Covenant than difference. Again, that might be theologically challenging, but was... Abraham covenanted with God uh, through the law or by grace and by a promise? Did God himself initiate that relationship and invite him to believe him and make promises just based upon God's character and not any sort of obedience? And the answer is yes. That is the Abrahamic covenant. That's the original covenant. That is a covenant of faith. And Romans grounds the whole faith concept in the Abrahamic experience. We are children of faith. We are children of Abraham. And there is so much mercy and grace in the Old Testament. 
the two greatest commands we find in the Old Testament, the, the Decalogue. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That hasn't changed. That's the Christian lifestyle. That's bringing glory to God. That's the way God has designed humanity to function, is by living in love. And when you live in love, you don't sin. Those things haven't changed. But we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. And the cross is a big deal. And the, the law, the written code, was canceled when Jesus went on that cross. And so there's no condemnation. And the accuser of the brethren might want me to focus on my sins. And all I got to do is point back to the cross. Jesus paid it all. God holds nothing against me. I have the merit and favor of Jesus Christ. And so I can enter into the very holy, glorious presence of the creator of the universe without any fear. And to know that he's going to receive me and receive my prayers. I, I, I enter into the, the holy temple of God through the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And I'm accepted. The Bible says that we're co-laborers with Jesus Christ. We partner with him in releasing and stewarding his kingdom on earth through prayer. The kingdom of God will come before the second coming to the degree Christians choose to release it. And I, I just have to say, like, we're all on a, a journey with God. We're all being sanctified. And to the degree that we focus on Christ and his kingdom, we're going to see more fruit. I'm becoming more apolitical. Um, and the reason for that, I'm not saying that politics aren't important. But here's what I am saying is the kingdom of God is, like, infinitely more important than the the kingdom of man and the politics of man and women. And I think so many people, regardless of their views, um, they get so passionate about conservatism or liberalism, um, responsibility, justice, or personal rights. But where's the kingdom of God in all of that? It isn't. It just isn't. Good politics aren't going to save people. But the kingdom of God is. And so I don't want to get bogged down on these lesser things. I've been convicted of that. And again, God has called people to politics. I want there to be godly people in politics. But I see some Christians that talk more about politics and write more about it on Facebook than they do about Jesus and the kingdom. And I think that Many Christians are so into their own uh, political power or possibility of that, their own influence, because they have no clue of the spiritual power that God has granted them. They don't operate in it. They don't know how to operate in it. And God designed us to operate in power. I know what spiritual power is, and you know what? I operate in it. I know what that is, and I see the transformation that comes into people's lives. So political power seems lesser to me. And I wish that were the case for many other Christians.
So when I pray, and when the early Christians pray, they declare the sovereignty and lordship of God. They declare God is king, not Donald Trump, not Obama, not Merkel, not Putin. Those people can do whatever they want. And the Bible says that the nations conspire against God. But God laughs. God is sovereign. They are not. And my hope and my salvation is not in just laws. I love just laws. God likes them too. My hope and my salvation is in the lordship, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And that means so much more than being a Republican or a Democrat. Okay? I think there's a stronghold. I think there's a political stronghold, a false identity in our country and in the West. And I even think, and again, this is, this is a little risky what I'm saying, but I think if we didn't have the political influence that we had as a democracy, I think a lot of Christians would be way more focused on eternal things. That's my opinion. But praise God for democracy. I think it's a good, a good system of government. Prayer brings holy unity. The Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, and we see examples of this. We see David and Jonathan in the midst of crazy oppression of the Philistines. The the Israelites are terrified. Saul's army has been decimated, not through a battle, but through an internal battle called terror. They're terrified. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they have a faith in God, and they go against some people, some Philistines. They step out in faith, and they start taking down the enemy. And when they start doing that, all of a sudden there's this grand earthquake, and God himself fights on behalf of, of Jonathan and his armor bearer and scatters all these Philistines. And all this strength and all this courage wills up in the, the army of the Israelites, and they just wreck shop on their enemies. That's the kingdom of God in action. And again, we are under the new covenant. It's not like God wants us to go and slaughter people. Um, we have to take those concepts, which are good concepts, and spiritualize them. And say, the Lord loves all people, and he hates the powers of darkness. And so we fight, but our weapons are not carnal. They're not physical swords or guns or anything like that. But we have the word of God, which is sharper than any double-edged sword. And we can wage war, and we can see powers and principalities fall before us. And we can see people, families, cultures get liberated from horrific generational bondage, from suicide, from depression, and enter into the kingdom of God. But it involves a war. It involves Christians in prayer, in word, in demonstrations of love, exercising their God-given authority, releasing the kingdom of heaven onto earth. Romans 8 is the passage of the Holy Spirit. The believer being led by the Holy Spirit. My life is such now that I am so led by the Holy Spirit and I know that did not used to be the case. But it is the case. I get an impression to call somebody. I get an impression to choose certain songs, certain topics for church. 
to say certain things to people at work or um, I'm at Northwestern and I, I feel the spirit stirring and I'm supposed to prophesy over this person, prophesy over that person. And um, every day you can release the kingdom and you can operate in gifts and people don't even know you're operating the gifts of the Lord. Every single day the kingdom of God can be released. I can be living in victory. I can be living in joy. I'm still going through inner healing in my life. You know, there's still weeping and all that. But you know what? I'm being comforted. I'm being transformed. I'm being liberated to become more bold. Not be afraid of rejection. Right? Being so rooted and grounded in the love of God. And that brings us to what you had said, relationship. God didn't create us as minions to do his bidding. He didn't create us as slaves. He didn't create us um, to have an impersonal connection with us. Our Father who art in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, Jesus says, abide in me. Abide in me. That means spend time with me. That means listen to me. Mary and Martha, the story. And one of them does all this stuff, is so focused on the task, which is good. I mean, her heart's in a good place, but then the other sister just sits down, right, and listens to all that Jesus has to say because she wants to know Jesus' heart. She wants to, to be satisfied in relationship. She wants that love to soak her soul and to bring refreshment. She wants to know about God. She made the right choice. The United States is a task-driven culture. We're not the best at intimacy and meaningful relationships. I just took a, a multicultural class to focus on global uh, behavioral patterns and values. And we, we suck at this. It's just, I'm just being honest. We do. We are not good at intimacy. We're not good at, at deep relationship. I want to get better at that. Our culture values getting the job done above loving our families, above uh, forging community. It is a task-driven culture. And that is how we tend to express our Christianity. But yet I look in the New Testament and I see relationship is the foundation. I see family and community is the foundation. And it's out of that, it's out of that that they do the work. But family and relationship come first. So my Christian life really is defined by prayer. I spend a lot of time praying. Like I really do. I set aside time and I wait on God. And there's communication going both ways. I share my heart with God. I receive from God. He comforts me. He gives me revelation. Um, he gives me direction. Call this person. Do this. Um, uh, he'll give me very practical things. Um, last Saturday, of course, you know that my health has not been the best, some of you who've been around for like months and months and months. I felt so strongly the Lord on Saturday when I was in prayer, I had these impressions of going to my patio and painting my patio. And I thought, well, you know, I just I haven't had much stamina. And I, I did it, and I kept doing it, I kept doing it. It's like my stamina, it was like beyond what it's been in a long, 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 long time. And it, if I had not stepped out in faith and believed that I heard from God, I would not have known that. And 
like even this past week, um, I've been doing more exercise. I did uh, over 50 push-ups this morning. I went for a jog and all that kind of stuff. And this is stuff I, I couldn't have done for months because of my health. Well, would I have even stepped out in faith had I not prayed? Had I not been challenged by God to do something that I didn't think that I could do? So God cares about our practical lives. God cares about our spiritual lives. I was seeking him. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things are being added to me, right? Health is a good thing, right? It's a very good thing. Prayer is communion with God. It's getting to know the heart of God. I want to know him more. I want to be so rooted and grounded in his love that regardless of what's going around me, that there's a joy, there's a satisfaction, there's a connection that nothing can, nobody can steal from me. That is not going to happen apart from prayer, apart from waiting upon God, apart from seeking God. Um, I just think of people who have really deep intimate relationships. I'm just kind of looking around and thinking, some of you probably are pretty close to other people. Maybe some of you feel isolated and you wish you were closer. Um, for those of us who can be vulnerable and can trust enough to have intimacy with people, we are the more satisfied people. We're the people that are going to be less given prone to addiction and to counterfeit affection and all that kind of stuff. Okay? God has brought me to a place of way more intimacy and capacity for vulnerability and trust. Changed my life. That comes through prayer. It comes through praying with others. From glory to glory changes me. It, it, it's God's objective not to fatten our bank accounts, but to transform our character, to make us like Christ. To make us like Jesus Christ. That's what he's doing. That's his main objective. And I hope it's my main objective. I hope that I want to be like Jesus. It's a good thing to have Christ-like character, and your quality of life continues to go up. Right? Jesus is joyful. So I, when I think of my life and my experience and what I really focus on, if one of my main motives is to become like Christ, it's going to transform what I devote my time to. It really is. And I'm not going to regret it. It might be hard for a little while, but eventually I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taste and see this, this is the way to live. We literally enter the presence of God in prayer. Okay, we're physical beings, but we're also spiritual beings. The Lord is spiritual. Hebrews 14.6 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we, we are literally invited to experience the reality of who God is in prayer. God shows up. There are times that I... Joe, you, Levi, you've been part of this, where we'd worship and pray at my house, and the tangible presence of God would just be there. And you'd feel a supernatural peace, a supernatural satisfaction, a safety, an intimacy. It just sort of filled. It just would fill the house, and it would define the, the quality of our relationships and our emotions. And he was doing stuff that we didn't 
even understand and we would leave that that experience like different Jesus said with two or more gathered in my name I'm there with them it's like Christianity is reality God invites us in to literally encounter him and we step on his faith and do this stuff James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your Trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. The effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. That's a lot of authority. When you talk about a Christian or a person of God, how can they exercise their authority in the greatest capacity? I'd say through prayer, through listening to the Holy Spirit, through declaring, praying, releasing God's will on earth. Holy moly, the, the weather was affected like long term because the one person chose to have an intimate relationship with God and granted it was the prophet. Everybody's going to have that level of authority. But it says here, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Um, if I choose Christ, if I choose righteousness, that's going to impact the effectiveness of my prayer. The world system is real. The prince of the power of the air is real. The devil wants us to be impotent. And many Christians are. There is a constant battle that we face. And if we give ourselves over to certain things, we're going to be weak. Our authority is going to be stripped from us because we've literally given it over to the enemy. We're not called to just tolerate this world until we die and go to heaven and everything's great. We are called to bring transformation in this world today and tomorrow and the next day. And God has given us the power to do that. So I guess I will end this in prayer. And instead of talking about the message, I mean we can eventually, but I would like to apply the message and pray together as the Spirit leads us. So, Father, we just thank you that you have given us authority. That, Jesus, you are our head. And you've won the victory, but the battle still rages on. But your word says we have incomparably great power. And your word says that we can know you. Jesus, you invite us to abide in you. So we pray, Father, for that grace, that hunger, Lord, to to die to the world, as the Apostle Paul said, that I am crucified to the world. 
that we'd be crucified to the bad things of the world, God, the world system, the things that would rob us and steal us and uh, wrongly define our identity. We ask, Father God, for us to be rooted and grounded in Christ, and we pray, Father, even today for faith to be released, that we would realize that we are given an eternal mandate to sow uh, for the kingdom of heaven, for eternal things, and not labor for the things that perish. Lord, align our hearts to your heart. Align our will to your will because it's better than ours. It's better than what the, the world's alternatives are. Give us revelations about the kingdom of heaven and the, the authority that we can walk in and the power that we can release through prayer, through laying on of hands, through speaking words of life, through uh, being inspired and listening to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless everybody here. I thank you for everybody who's here. And um, if there is any shame or anything like that released, Lord, we just pray that you'd break that off. Your Holy Spirit convicts us, doesn't condemn us. But we want to be more like Jesus. We want to be more like Jesus. So help us to embrace that lifestyle. In Jesus' name, amen.